1: So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner.
1: Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. It's a little bit overcast here in Atlanta, Georgia, but we are feeling shiny as a, as a, a set of new pennies. I got some new clothes on. My name is Ben. Ben, my name is Noel. A set of new pennies? Yeah, because there are three of us. I was going to say a couple. and I was like, oh, Casey is also a shiny penny, all his own super producer, Casey Pegg.
2: He sure is. He's definitely shiny, and he's also he's shining up the room here because we're, once again, in the odd studio uh, where we sit all together um, face-to-face as opposed to us inside the shipping container and him on the outside of the glass looking in. And you're Noel. That is me. Did I not say that? <laughs> I don't. Gosh, <laughs> you're probably right, Ben. I didn't say that. Hey, uh, since we're all in here together, you guys want to wrestle? Let's do it.
1: <laughs> I uh, I will uh, morally support you. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm you, a little under the weather, so I don't want to. I don't want to risk putting you any more at risk than you already are. Well,
2: to be fair, Ben, that kind of gives you the advantage. You could just pin us to the ground and then cough in our faces, and that would just like weaken us <laughs> further. You know. I'm
1: sure, that's something that some people are very interested in seeing. Yeah. yeah hopefully, well, not them.
2: They they, could, they they won't be able to see it, but they could at least hear it.
1: But right. um, the, it's the, theater of the mind. Theater of the dirty minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do to add, or I want to add at least, that another neat thing about the studio we're in now is that we are surrounded by uh, f- fan art made by uh, Aaron Cooper, also known as Coop, uh, where he's taken our pals Josh and Chuck and uh, a couple times, let's see, Jonathan uh, Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister, and myself actually, uh, and he's... It put us in these weird movie posters. Scenarios? Yes, there we go. Yes, just like the Quister would say. uh, You can also see see some of his weird fan art if you want to check it out. And one of these
2: is a tribute to the late, great Terry Jones. Um, Was really sad to hear of his passing. Monty Python legend, director of uh, my favorite Monty Python film, The Holy Grail, of course. Uh, And that's one of the ones on the wall there, is uh, Chuck as King Arthur josh as i believe sir Is that galahad galahad i believe
1: and then we've got uh there's jonathan in the back and that's you right yeah that's me uh you know what we'll we'll just take a picture of this and we'll post it on our favorite facebook site ridiculous Historians. but then
2: it wouldn't be theater of the mind
1: I know, I know, but then they wouldn't. Maybe they wouldn't be hearing it while they're looking at the picture. That's a good point. (laughs) So now it's theater of the eye. I I like that. But the reason I bring up the
2: wrestling is because I've got this personal moral code where I I will not allow anyone to take my fair tiny hand in marriage. Uh, unless they can best me in uh, in, in a wrestling match. Um, and it was weird because I've had this all you know all my adult life. But you thought it was a, an original thing. I thought right? it was an original thought. Yeah. I, I thought that was just, you know, I've got this code, Noel. You're going to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out, you know, we, we were researching this episode on the great, great granddaughter of one Genghis Khan. You may know him as Genghis Khan, but you may know him wrong, my friends, for it is Genghis, like Jenga. Uh, and his great-great-granddaughter was named Kutuyun. Kutuyun. Hmm. Let's 4 of it real quick. Kutun. Kutuun. I, I was pretty close. We were, I think we could, if we smashed both of our pronunciations together, we would end up with the right one.
1: Because it feels like it should be three syllables, but it's it, the way we're pronouncing it is, is two. We don't speak Mongolian, please be kind, uh, but we're going to go with Kutuun yes, for now. I think that's smart. Also known... As Shining Moon. That's right. She was the great great granddaughter of Genghis Khan, as you said, and she was believed to have been born around 1260 to Kaidu. Kaidu was a grandson of Ogdai Khan and a cousin of Kublai Khan. Unlike Kublai Khan, the guy who founded the Yuan dynasty and assimilated to Chinese culture, Kaidu said, We're going to stay true to our roots. We started this game as nomads. We're going out as nomads. We're keeping that lifestyle. And this worked for him. By 1280, he was one of the most powerful authorities in the Mongol Empire. And he had uh, an iron grip on his Khanate. And uh, the Khanates, like the Mongol Empire was divided into these different Khanates or sections of power. Is Kublai Khan the same
2: as Kublai Khan the, by the Samuel Taylor Coleridge uh, poem?
1: It's referenced, yeah.
2: I love the idea of uh, a stately the pleasure, pleasure dome. dome decree. Yeah, exactly. The sunless
1: sea. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: In Xanadu did Kublai Khan, a stately mm-hmm. pleasure dome decree, where Alf the – Alph. I love the idea of a river named Alf because I can't just, I can't not think of, you know, the puppet cat eating alien Alf. Uh, yeah, where Alf, the sacred river, ran through caverns measureless to men. Very, very beautiful poem by Coleridge there. Um, but we digress. We pulled some uh, pretty good background uh, on the Mongol Empire from ancientorigins.net. Um, it was quite the fragmented empire. Um, and the uh, title of Great Khan was given to Kublai Khan. Um, it makes me think of, you know, the uh, the Dothraki in uh, Game of Thrones. Clearly, the whole idea of the Khals was very much pulled from the Khans, you know? Oh, and yeah. The yeah. Whole, they were horse lords and all of that stuff. Well,
1: The Song of Ice and Fire, the book series on which Game of Thrones is based, is... At times, a beat for beat reimagining of the War of the Roses. So a lot of a lot of the appeal of George R.R. R. Martin's work comes from the fact that it's so, so closely based on real life events. Mm. You know, I, I'm just saying he never said no way I made that up. Call is, you know, that's a George thing. He's, he's acknowledges.
2: Does that take away the creativity of it for you? Or, Absolutely or, no, not. No, I don't think so. Either. No, yeah. I
1: think it strengthens the narrative. You agreed, know? agreed. Um, so yeah, we've got Kublai
2: Khan, who is the great Khan, but Unfortunately, that was more or less a ceremonial title because he he wasn't particularly successful. This was a time of a very petty and fruitless war against these warring clans. Um, A lot of infighting, I guess you could call it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Think of the film The Highlander. There can only be one. In the eyes of a lot of these rulers, there can only be one great final boss of the mongol empire one great khan and it's very king of the hill-esque everybody wants that position because of this situation it's okay for these these people these rulers to be open enemies kaidu clearly opposes kublai khan and anyone who supports him and this is the this is the rich fertile dangerous political soil uh, into which kutun is born She was brought up like her father in that old-school nomadic way of life. She had 14 older brothers, and as she and her siblings grew up, they were taught the traditional feats of the empire of this culture. Archery, horse riding, shooting bow and arrow from the back of a horse, and, of course, wrestling. Katoon was very good at all these things, and some historians even said that she was the favorite kid, uh, because she was also very smart. She was a tactician, and the rumor is that her father would bypass her fourteen brothers and come up to Kitsun and say, "You know, okay, well, what do you think? What do you think we should do? Should we should we ride in on on horses? That's what we usually do. We usually do the horse thing." And then she would be like, "I think that's smart. Let's." And stick with the horse thing, Dad.
2: Uh, and, and just really really quickly to backtrack, her great-great-grandfather, who's not going to figure as much into this, obviously, because that's generations past, uh, Genghis Khan, he's known for kind of uniting these warring clans. Wasn't yep. that sort of a big part of what he did? Mm-hmm. And now that has all kind of fallen by the wayside, right? And they've become fragmented again, mm-hmm. which is interesting because he, he led with such an iron fist uh, that he was able to kind of pull a lot of these warring clans together, and now they have kind of broken apart again.
1: Yes, for the j- just for the sense of the empire here, Genghis Khan was born in eleven sixty two, and he passed away in twelve twenty seven. And Khatun was born in twelve sixty. So this is after he has passed, uh, but people alive still remember him as the Great Uniter. What important thing about Khatun? It's tempting maybe to think. She was exceptional or, uh, you know, the word they would throw around the West is a tomboy. But we have to remember that given the nature of the society, there was some gender equality when it came to horsemanship. Women would ride horses just as well as the dudes. And everybody at least had some proficiency with a bow and arrow.
2: That's right. If I'm not mistaken, even back in Genghis's day, um, there were female warriors It was kind of uh, a bit of an equal playing field, at least on the battlefield, uh, as far as gender was concerned. Isn't that right? Uh, More so than one would see in Western Europe. I just remember being kind of amazed by that or Mm -hmm. surprised by that fact because, you know, you think of Genghis Khan as being this uh, iron-fisted, super macho kind of, uh, you know, dictator almost. But um, he really did kind of see the big picture in terms of everyone has something to contribute, at least when it comes to fighting.
1: Right, right. He was still a real pill, as uh, as I would say in Tennessee, but he was a pill about different things. We also have another famous figure who shows up, who is a little bit closer to the story than uh, than good old Jengis, which is what they probably called him, good old Jengi. And that is, this is the dumbest way I thought of introducing this. I, I hope you play along with it, Noel. <laughs> and that character is Marco Polo. You can tell where I am because I'm closer to the mic. I
2: Fish out of water. Is that, wait, wait, what is that? What happens then? Is that when you get out of the pool and yeah, run that's around? Yeah, when you try to
1: sneak out of the pool. Yeah. Oh, okay. What are the actual rules of Marco Polo? So Marco Polo. You're blindfolded? The, the pool game. Uh-huh. uh Well, it depends on how much you trust the the uh, your playmates there. Uh, if you don't trust them, then wrap something around their head. But otherwise, they're supposed to keep their eyes closed. They're wandering around the pool. And they go, Marco. And when they say Marco, the people who are hiding from them have to say Polo. Mm-hmm. And then you, right? It's as simple as that, though. Use that echolocation. Well, there are some other rules. There's fish out of water. If they do that, then the if they catch you getting out of the water, then you're automatically Marco for the. Then you're stoned to death, basically, right? You had a more intense pool culture than I did. We usually just switch sides at that point.
2: Yeah, I grew up in a, a weird Mennonite
1: cult. Really? It sounds like you grew up in a fundamentalist uh, sect somewhere in Kandahar, man, stoning people to death. You know, it takes all kinds. And Marco Polo was just the kind of guy for this story. You know, he's the famous Venetian traveler. There's a lot of stuff about him that's kind of uh, embellished, I Mm -hmm. would say, or exaggerated. There's actually a Netflix series about him that I've heard good things about. Did you see it, Ben? I did. I did. Uh, I am... Because of some of the research and fiction I do outside of the work stuff, I I really enjoy studying the story of Eurasia and Central Asia and those explorations. So pool games aside,
2: Marco Polo um, actually is the main source uh, that we... Um, have main primary source that we have on Kutuyun, um because he uh, in his travels encountered her and wrote and was, was quite taken by her and I believe she actually features pretty prominently into the Netflix series but he wrote this about her which we found on ancientorigins.net he referred to her as quote so well made in all her limbs and so tall and strongly built that she might almost be taken for a giantess and that she she was so strong that there was no young man in the whole kingdom who could overcome her but she vanquishes them all
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X celebrating pride and the queer community all year Queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
1: Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard or a charming cobblestone village sound to you?
2: Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's
1: right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in
2: hourly hiring.
1: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire, part-time, or full-time. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We'd like to give you a sense of just how badass Katyn actually is. Here's another quotation from Marco Polo describing her preferred method of combat. Nothing scared her. Not only did Katun ride by her father's side into battle, she'd regularly charge headfirst into enemy lines to make a dash at the host of the enemy and seize some man there out, as deftly as a hawk pounces on a bird and carry him to her father. This is interesting because it almost sounds like some kind of brutal bloodthirsty game of fetch, you know what i mean? And i'm not saying that she was a dog or trained or anything, but that's interesting that she would just run in, snatch someone off a horse and then take him back to dad. How strong do you have to be to do that? Quite. Right?
2: I would say. Yeah, for sure. I mean that's that's definitely. I mean she was a,
1: a force to be reckoned with for sure. But there was there was one battle that she was very against. And that was one of the oldest battles of the human species, romance. Exactly. Love, right. And marriage. Oh, I know.
2: I loved Married with Children. Yeah. What do you think about Married with Children, Ben? Did you enjoy that?
1: It made me uncomfortable as a child. It did too. It did me. Yeah, all, I, I was afraid uh, I was afraid that if I watched too much of it, it would like affect my real life and it might end up like- Like, like a, Al? Or Bud. Working at a shoe store? Well, there's nothing wrong with working at a shoe store. No, but
2: he, but it was specifically, he was very, um... Uh, entranced by women's feet, there was a lot of weird fetishism in that show, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I think I was watching it too young an age to really understand. It was pretty raunchy. Like he had to look at a particular magazine before he got amorous with his wife That's Peggy. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was. Probably who I always
2: thought was really hot. She's uh, a
1: smoke show. Yeah, I really, no really. I thought no uh, doubt about it. What's
2: that actor's name? Who also does the voice of uh, um, the character on Futurama with the with the one eye, Leela. Katie Segal, yes, huge, huge crush on Peggy Bundy, uh, more so even than Kelly,
1: Christina eh, Applegate. Yeah, but they were all good actors. They were all good what actors. What happened to the guy who played Bud? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, he's but, uh, just...
2: What was his name? David Faustino.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm. Wow. You like the show more than I, my I friend, I, I, I did
2: quite enjoy the show.
1: Uh, but no, Kuchun
2: did not... Uh, like married with children because it did not exist. She at the didn't time. like marriage as an institution. She didn't like marriage as an institution, so she was trying to set herself up for failure essentially, right? She rigged the game. She had that same code that I claimed to have had for so long that she would only marry the man who could best her in wrestling, which she was known to be an expert at. And also, um how
1: emasculating must that have been at the time, right? Well, how difficult and unfair to women uh, were the marriages of the time.
2: Oh, no question about it, but what I'm saying is, what man would be willing to like submit himself to that kind of humiliation maybe, you know, cuz he's like if he if he wins, then he looks like a big jerk who's like quote-unquote beating up a girl, right? Yeah. And if he loses, then he's Been defeated by a woman, you know, and uh, and that would probably not sit well with his
1: reputation. Well, keep in mind, too, that the idea of marriage for romantic purpose is uh, is a relatively recent notion in our species and civilization. Many of these dudes doubtlessly did not were not particularly attracted to. Kutun, you know, they as the rom-com say, they didn't love her for her marriages were these diplomatic deals like any other uh, any other geopolitical arrangement. The fathers chose the husband based on how it would unite or divide a tribe, how it would help the balance of power. And the woman in the marriage has just the one husband. Here's why it stinks to be a woman in these marriages, because the men on the other side of the marriage bed Have as many wives as they want, and they also have a harem of women they sleep with that they don't marry. So they have like this Pokemon, got to collect them all approach, right? So they can have their cake and eat it too, which is just cartoonishly unfair to the women.
2: I completely agree with you there, Ben.
1: So what's the point?
2: Right. What's the point of marriage as an institution? Uh, not only did she not want to be, you know, the the chattel of a man, I think probably part of her saw that inequality and saw that disconnect and was like, I don't want any part of that. I should have the same choice as any man. I should be able to stand on my own two feet. Uh, I can best a man in wrestling. Um, I can fight alongside men on horseback shooting my bows and arrows. Um, why should I allow myself to be the. Uh, Chattel of some dumb man,
1: right? So Kaido says you're you're a woman now, girl. You are really singing your heart out today, Ben. Oh, is it is it, is this working? Is it's this a good sound for us? Absolutely okay. working. Well, you know, just we can't because apparently uh, we can't play <laughs> the actual songs in their entirety. But that would make the episode too long, too. Uh, so yes, Kaidu says. You are coming of age. I need to marry you off, Katoon. And she says, look, I know we're both very into our, uh, our culture, our nomadic lifestyle, and I get that you feel this is the right moment in my life to get married and that this will help our, our clan's greater aims. But I don't really want to do it. So I will get married on one condition.
2: Right. I think you can guess what it is. You know, we've been talking about this whole time, uh, the condition that she be bested by said man, said Sutor, uh, in combat,
1: hand to hand wrestling. Right. So if any man wins, then she becomes his wife. But what happens if the man loses? He doesn't get killed. Stone to death. No, no, you're very pro stoning to death, man. Have you ever seen it happen? It's not pretty. Just in Marco Polo games. right? Uh It wasn't that bad, but it was a tremendous financial blow. If they were uh, if they were defeated in wrestling, they would have to give Katun one hundred horses. Is that like the name of their currency, or like physical horses? Yeah, a hundred. Actual horses, yeah. No word on the quality of the horses. If they had to be stallions, or if it was okay for them to be fowls, whatever. What? What
2: if you like? Well, I'm sure she wouldn't accept like um, some sickly horses.
1: I don't know. That's the thing about a hundred horses at once. You kind of thread them in if you're unethical. The uh, same way that people like will use a roll of twenty dollar bills, but the inside is just one dollar bills. Oof, Ben. You've done this before. Haven't I have you? not. No, no. I'm a straight shooter in the criminal underworld. When it mm-hmm. comes to horse trading, at least. Yeah, when it comes to horse trading, which might be legal in jo- or not horse trading, but horse uh, racing and betting might be legal in Georgia. Soon. As, Is that true? Yeah, that has nothing to do with anything no, except it horses.
2: Uh, and isn't it kind of an inherently a little bit of a it's very cruel, problematic problematic yeah. enterprise? Yeah.
1: So uh, back to the historical horses. Let's hop on our historical horses here. Katsune has a lot of people come try to wrestle her, right? Of course she does. Uh
2: which is which goes completely against what I thought would happen. Um because again, I would think who would who would want to submit themselves to this. But I guess they were less concerned about being beaten and they were pretty sure that they would reign supreme. It's almost like a reverse kind of glass slipper
1: situation, right? Absolutely. And this adds up pretty quickly. Katoon reportedly <laughs> gains over 10,000 horses. From these wrestling matches, if you do the math, 100 per loss to 10,000, that means she wrestled and beat more than 100 dudes. That's legendary, man. That's crazy. Wow. There are professional wrestlers who haven't beat more than 100 people. That's true.
2: That's true. I don't know that there are more than 100 professional wrestlers in the WWE canon.
1: Surely. You think so? Oh, God. Do, have you looked up their wiki in the 80s? They had some. Well, I mean, at uh, one time. Oh, at one time. Yeah, I don't know. I think overall, yes, but yes, I don't know at I agree. all at one time. Canon
2: was the wrong word. Uh, we discussed that in the last episode. I'm clearly a little foggy on what canon means. There's a fantastic line that really uh, sets the tone for all this. So let's, let's you know, she gained 10,000 horses, defeated more than 100 suitors. Uh, in a book called She Caused a Riot, uh, about uh, Coutune, um Hannah Jewell, Uh, described the scene as such. The Mongolian steppes, as in the geographical steppes, uh, were littered with the debris of shattered male egos. I like that imagery, Um, and you know, I gosh, you you can't, you can't not root for Katuyun in this whole situation, right? Mm. I mean, these guys were cocky; they came along thinking they were just going to walk away with the the keys to the kingdom, aka Katuyun's hand in marriage. Let's not forget, she's a princess. This is a big deal to, to be her suitor. You would, you know, be in line for the throne or, you know, a, a very high position of power. Um, one particularly cocky suitor upped the ante significantly and bet a thousand horses on one of these wrestling matches. And, you know, Kutun's parents supposedly liked the guy and were really hoping that they'd uh, they'd work out. Um, so they actually asked Katun to please darling daughter throw the match i can't believe I mean, again this also kind of speaks to the relative progressiveness of this culture right like you know they're allowing this to go down they're they're not just saying no you got to marry whoever we say they have agreed to her uh, her you know uh, caveats here right i
1: mean maybe she was a bruiser with her parents too this is the this is the thing right she listens, picture her with her hands steepled, maybe a little or her fingers steepled rather, maybe Monty Burns style, going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As their parents are telling her all this stuff. And then she goes, Okay, I've listened to your advice, I've taken your counsel. So she goes into the ring, and then, uh, as Marco Polo says, she throws him right valiantly on the palace pavement, takes the 1,000 horses, and Kaidu here is a little conflicted because he's like, ah, she's supposed to get married, but also, horses are money, and we are rolling in the horse poop today, like in a good way. Uh, We have this wealth, we have this status, people respect us, and eventually... It got to the point where he just started saying, you know what, her 14 brothers are okay, but my daughter, Khatun deserves to be the next Khan more than any dude in Mongolia. He didn't say dude, he said man. Of course. And you know,
2: besides, I mean, I think there's plenty of obvious reasons why Khatun would not have wanted to be tied down to a man. We talk about that culture of the concubine and the harem situation and the fact that women who were married were at that point uh sort of sub-citizens right they were really just the property of their husbands she wanted better than that for herself. Uh, I think that's clear, just from the way she carried herself, and, you know, how important that warrior lifestyle was to her. So, it's entirely possible that that was the main reason why she didn't want to marry. There's also some speculation that she uh, could have been gay, and uh, that was something that was not acceptable, and that she would not have been able to openly discuss. Um, So, she, you know, created this whole situation with the wrestling, so that she would never have to be married. But, uh, my money is on just her being a strong-willed, individualistic human person who did not want to give all of that up. Because, of course, with marriage comes, you know, babies and pregnancy, and uh, a, a pregnant woman isn't going to be able to, um, you know, leap into battle, right? That's right. that's not something that will be on the table. And then she'll be fussed over, and she didn't want to be fussed over. She wanted to be completely independent.
1: Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever, been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you?
2: Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our
1: charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities.
2: Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising.
1: One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker,
2: retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer?
1: Yeah, job has got a worker for that. So there are a couple of rumors here. Now we're leaving the sunny, well-lit land of historical fact, and we're entering uh, the overcast region of historical speculation. There are differing accounts of why Cotun was not into the idea of marriage, and some of them involve the idea of romantic relationships with family members. One rumor says that she was in love with one of her first cousins and she was unable to marry this individual. The thing about that is, you know, a a romantic relationship with a first cousin at that time throughout the world would not be particularly unusual. So there would have been some other intervening reason. You can read more about that one on historycollection.co. There's also, this is like the Mongol Empire version of TMZ Level news, please treat it as such. Uh, We found this article on allthat'sinteresting.com that says she decided to get married because rumors were spreading that she was having an incestuous affair with her own father. And that she chose to marry a man without wrestling him because she wanted to save her father's reputation. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, that's where you know the, the duty and honor and obligation stuff kicks into high gear. Another historian, uh, Rashad Al-Din says that th- it's, it's a little bit more of a happy ending, that she did actually finally fall in romantic love and married a ruler uh, a ruler in the Mongol Empire based in Persia named Gajan. These, I, I don't know, man. The last one we heard was that she married a prisoner who tried and failed to kill her father.
2: I mean, I guess she maybe would have respected the, uh, the audacity, <laughs> you know, and the pluckiness of it all, right? Um, she seems like very has a very interesting code. That just uh, makes the wedding dinner so weird. <laughs> really awkward. Really awkward. <laughs> tried like, and failed.
1: Like you pass, uh, you you know, you pass the plate. Of horse meat or whatever to your father in law, and he's like, "Did you poison it?" And you go, "Ah, yeah! that's funny, Ben. He's busting my chops. Oh, busting your horse chops."
2: But again, she's such a unique person with such a individualistic perspective. I could see how she would respect somebody who would have the, uh, again, the audacity to go after her father.
1: She has scruples of plenty, and not the currency. Exactly. We do know that eventually she did. She did get married. She did take a husband, but she was never defeated as a wrestler. Uh, and that was universally acknowledged throughout the land. When Katoon is in her early 40s, her father is ailing. Kaidu is dying. He is surrounded by his children, his multiple wives. On his literal deathbed, he says, I regret never appointing Katoon as the leader of our clan. She's not just the strongest. Uh, but she's also very well-respected by the soldiers. She is by far and away, streets ahead, the best leader we could have had, and that's on me.
2: Why didn't he do it then? least he could have done it. Couldn't he have like, uh, done that with his dying breath? Appointed her Khan?
1: Well, it would have been breaking Mongolian traditions to name her Khan. Oh, I see. To have a, a, a female Khan uh, and... Everybody is aware of his personal beliefs, but they're also aware of the traditional stuff. At this point, you know, she's 41 years old. She's got years of experience. Uh, People in the army really respect her. And they're also kind of terrified of her because, again, she can ride a horse into battle, literally snatch someone off the horse. Just like a hawk picking up a little rodent and then bring it back wherever she pleases. She is a B.A., but uh, despite her father's wishes, she's not allowed to be a con because her 14 brothers that we mentioned put a lot of pressure on her dad. Oh, I forgot about the 14 brothers. They wouldn't have had that. This feels like a real-life fairy tale. There's a weird test to marry the princess there's a, a an egregious number of siblings. That's right. That's right. Um,
2: and so there's even some speculation that her brothers had planned to have her killed because the rules of of the who ascends to be the Great Khan uh, do not revolve entirely around gender or around lineage. Uh, you know, age rather. Uh, they're specifically about who's the strongest. So they knew that she was the strongest, and they were worried that she would overtake them and therefore, supposedly you know hatch some kind of plot to have her killed. But that's not really proven. It's just something that we've seen uh, floating around here and there.
1: Oh, yeah, the idea
2: that maybe they had her killed or poisoned? Correct. And a lot of this is is attributed to the fact that when Kublai Khan took over control of the empire, he actually used a lot of the stories of uh, Cotunyun as propaganda. So they were much exaggerated and kind of twisted to serve his purposes. And it wasn't until we started seeing those Marco Polo accounts uh, come up that people really
1: started to hear the truth about Cotunyun's story. And you might say... What a, what a neat, fascinating story. Thanks so much, Ben, Nolan, Casey, for, uh, for cluing me in. But we have one last twist for you. Uh, this might surprise some people. It might be a well-known fact to some of our fellow listeners already. But the story of Katoon... Uh, maybe a family story that is personal to you and you didn't know it because, you see, Kutun was far from being the only descendant of Genghis Khan. In fact, Y-chromosome data and research that came out a number of years ago, I think, uh, proves that about 0.5% of the male population of the world is somehow descended from Genghis Khan.
2: Ooh, that
1: means Jengi was a busy boy. I mean, you know... The, it's interesting, though, when you think of it, like even for the three of us in this room, this might be a family story for one of us, yeah. oh, wait, 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 not you because we know your DNA. That's right. you're you're Scandinavian I'm pretty exclusively AF.
2: pretty exclusively Scandinavian. Yeah, that's right.
1: Which is pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's You know, it's fine. You, know yeah, it's fine. you got these sparkly eyes. Yeah, the sparkly really eyes nice.
2: got my my red my redness and my beard. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff. Uh, I'm cool with it. It was just a little underwhelming, I guess. You know, my ancestry.com results.
1: You wanted a twist. I wanted a twist. You wanted some. You wanted like an unmarked helicopter to land in your backyard, and some guy get out of the helicopter and come up and say, "Come with us. You
2: are the chosen." <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of hoping. for Twenty
1: three of me only exist. To find, <laughs> to find me, exactly. <laughs> he, he is the child. I still haven't. Uh, I, I still have not taken any DNA test. I know you guys are, are
2: reticent to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why. I don't care. I guess I just have no sense of self-preservation.
1: Well, people like to learn about themselves. It's you true. You know what I mean. It's true. Casey, did you ever take a DNA test? I have not. No, I. Um, I'm still entertaining the fantasy of my DNA not ending up in a database somewhere. Oh, fantasy! Yeah, that's a that's a good word. It's yeah. a nice story. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. Uh, thanks, of course, to Gabe. Thanks to Christopher. I feel like we're almost on a first name basis now as an audience with these guys. Uh, thanks, of course, to Alex who composed our banging track. Big time, thanks to Alex.
2: Uh, Thanks to Eves. Uh, Check out her show, This Day in History Class. Um, And, uh, you know, slight thanks to Jonathan Strickland, the devious quister. You can check him out in his uh, human form on a show called Tech Stuff uh, that exists out there in the world. Uh, As well as when he materializes in our studio to wreak havoc
1: on our mental health. I feel like we need to soap this outro before he hops in. Uh, So, real quick, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Uh, We we may or may not post a picture from this studio on our Facebook page. Let's uh, be honest, we're not going to. I might. Okay. If you're cool with it. I'm cool with it. Are you cool with it, Casey? Fine. Alright, wow. Okay, that was a real cold fine. <laughs> Alright, well, we're going to do it anyway. Forward to the future. Uh, find us on Ridiculous Historians. You can also find us as individuals on the social media. Yeah, you can find me exclusively on
2: Instagram. I am at how now Noel Brown.
1: I am at Ben Bolin on Instagram. Uh, Stay tuned. I'm going to do some weird, crazy things. Uh, And I am at Ben Bolin on Twitter, where you can see my overwhelmingly positive opinion of people's pets. We'll see you next time, folks.
2: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.